Well, I was on the verge of buying my first car. My dad and I had entered in and started looking around for the first vehicle that I was going, going to buy. And as we were looking for a vehicle, my father is a pastor, and so he knew some people in the church, specifically all of the elderly women that he visited. He knew which ones were never going to drive again. So he kind of had some inside information on who had a car parked in the garage that'd be a possible purchase. So he said, hey, I got a possible purchase for you. Let's go and take a look. So I agreed. We went and take a look. We walked in. Just the ugliest thing you would ever see. Kind of a bright blue thing with some stripes going around, around it and a different type of blue. A dinky little four-door 1980s version. And I thought, pulling up to school and this is not exactly what I had envisioned. I had all these ladies asking me for dates and all this. And just didn't envision rolling out in this. So I said, oh, I'll take it under consideration. And we saw another vehicle for sale in the shopping news, a 1985 GMC Jimmy. Now that was a sporty vehicle. Kind of like the original SUV, two-door, kind of a Jeep-type thing. Went down and looked at it. We drove in, and the guy that was showing us this car was out shooting his bow and arrow on the lawn. My dad just kind of said under his breath, well, that's kind of different. Anyhow, we take a look at the vehicle. Next thing you know, we're like, hey, can we take it for a spin? He's like, Sure. So we get in, my dad and I get in, we get in to take for sin. Well, next thing you know, he's knocking on the door. He says, hey, can I go with you? Sure, he gets in. Well, he brings his bow and arrow with him in the car. He's kind of thinking, okay, this is a little bit odd. We drive, take the drive. Hey, looks good, looks good. It was right within my budget. I'm like, I got to have this vehicle. So my dad said, hey, the decision is yours. You earned the money. You decide which one you're going to buy. So I bought the 1985 GMC Jimmy. Driving the 85 GMC Jimmy on the first day, driving to high V to work. All of a sudden, I'm driving, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, power windows, this is sweet. Because I had an 87 Chevy Celebrity for my father that I was driving. There was nothing sweet about that. And so there's power windows, but all of a sudden, I'm driving, the power windows aren't working. I'm like, well, I must not understand something. Get to high V, go into work, come out, it doesn't start. I'm like, oh, goodness. So I call my dad, dad comes, jump started, get it going again. He's like, hey, paid cash for it. It's your vehicle. So I had the GMC Jimmy for a couple of months, and it was just an absolute lemon of lemons. Here, but it looked good. <laughs> well, we should have known some odysseys from the beginning when the guy's getting in with a bow and arrow. How This is how bad it got. My father, a pastor. Now, not, don't hold this against him, but we're driving the GMC Jimmy, and we're like, we've got to get rid of this thing. So I found another vehicle that I was going to buy. We're driving. The thing dies as we're driving in right before the car lots to take a right turn. My dad says, hurry up and start it again. Luckily, it started again because it was still rolling. So we drive it in. We hurry up and park it. My dad says, shut it off and don't say a word. (laughs) That was him, not me. So I bought the other car and left. And I don't know what happened to that GMC Jimmy. But I'll tell you what. I went and I bought the cool one. When in reality, I should have bought the weird one in the garage. I lost at least $3,500 on that whole deal. Tough lesson learned. Instead of saying, what's cool? I should have said, what works? I'm afraid this morning that many of us in our spiritual lives have said, what's cool? When in reality... We should be saying, what does God want? In our spiritual lives, what's happened is this. 
because of the weirdness of the spirituality that God has revealed in his word, we've kind of stood hands back like this. And we've gone to what's cool. What's cool in spirituality is this. Yoga. Laying out for, on a mat for a couple of months and looking into our inner selves. And then leaving and writing down a couple of commitments. I will not do this anymore. I will do this. When in reality, God's got a completely different view of spirituality. That it's not reflection on our inner being to have a healthy spiritual life. It's actually looking to someone outside of ourselves. That's why Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5, he says, walk by the Spirit. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the spiritual life that God has for you is to come alongside another being. To look outside of yourself and to come under the power or the authority of the other. In Galatians 5, he starts there in verse 16 by using the word, but I say for you. In other words, what Paul is doing is he's drawing a contrast. He's saying, hey, I just got done talking about this kind of normal life that a lot of people live. And the normal life that a lot of people live falls into two extremes. One extreme is the extreme of religion. The religion where you have outward practices that you do for appearance that make it look as though everything is good in your life. And also you do these outward things, set up certain rules and regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do this on this day, because what? That gives you approval with God. And so in Galatians, the Apostle Paul has been reminding them that, hey, these works of the law, this doesn't get you anywhere. This works of the law doesn't protect you from the bondage that comes from sin. But a lot of us fall into this camp of religion, empty activity for appearance sake or empty activity for confidence. That's one extreme we can fall in. But there's another extreme we can fall in as well. That's summarized simply by lawlessness. Well, hey, there's no rules. I mean, God loves everyone, wants everyone to be happy. Do whatever you want that makes you feel good. Pure lawlessness. What you believe, as long as you believe it authentically, at least you believe. And who am I to say anything that you do is wrongdoing because I'm still working it out myself? See how they throw in little grains of truth and kernels of truth in it? And it causes you then to take a step back like, oh, maybe that is right. Who am I to say anything? When in reality, lawlessness is against the very nature and character of God. But yet at the same time, religion, activity for appearance or confidence sake, is against the very nature and character of God as well. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, these two extremes, these two ways of living, I've got a different way for you. Spirituality is different. He's given a wholly new third way of saying, no, this is the way, and that way is this, walk in the Holy Spirit. Very simply to understand, what does he mean when he says walk in the Holy Spirit? He's basically saying, go through each day under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Walk is a term referred to in the Bible as kind of the pathway of making oneself through life. So he says, you're walking, it's kind of you're journeying through life. So he's saying, hey, as you journey through life, be under the power, the presence, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Another way that he says it is in the book of Ephesians, a little verse that really gets misunderstood. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times people see that word filled and they're like, oh, okay, so sometimes God will just dump out a little spirit on me. Well, as we looked and remember from last week, the Holy Spirit is not some water or some it over here. The Holy Spirit is a person, a personal 
being. And so there's no half pouring or quarter pouring. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's using the English, English, not English language at that time, but language to teach us that we're to come under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the verses right next to be filled with the Holy Spirit are say, do not be drunk. He's setting up kind of this contrast, because when you're drunk, what happens? You're under the influence of an external substance that's come in you. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to come under the influence, the power, the purposes of the Holy Spirit. So to walk in the Holy Spirit is to journey through one's life aware and submissive to the Spirit of God. That's spirituality in the Bible, is to be aware of God's Spirit and submissive to God's Spirit here in our journey in this life. Well, Paul lays out the contrast of what happens when we have this spiritual journey of what happens. He lays out these different lists of saying, hey, it's going to be a battle. As you're trying to submit to the Holy Spirit, there's also the flesh that's waging war against us. Now, flesh isn't just referring to your body. Flesh is referring to the creation that has absence itself from God. So creation, absence of God is really the flesh. Any thought patterns, any physical things, spiritual things that are what? Absence of God. And so Paul's saying, hey, the flesh, the ways of the world are going to be against you. They're in opposition, so be ready for a battle. And so he gives us a list, and which is nice. Most of us like lists, right? Like, ah, oh, a list. I can follow a list. So he says, hey, here's some ways to recognize that you're walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. So let's turn to Galatians 5 and look at that list for a moment. Because this is where some of us get tripped up. We see this list. We're like, okay, if I just avoid these things, then I'm good. This is not a list of avoidances. Not at all. Don't Notice that. This is a list of what? Works of the flesh. Verse 19, works of the flesh. What does that mean? It means that this is a list of things produced by the world, ourselves, our bodies, anything in the world that doesn't have God present. And so what you're saying is you're saying, hey, hey, hey. This is kind of a mirror. This is a mirror that reflects when what? When it's the way of the world or God absent that you're following rather than the Spirit of God. Now this list this morning should humble all of us in a hurry. Because I'm guessing if you're like me, and I know you're all like me actually, because the Bible tells us that, your name is in this list in multiple places. No, Frank isn't there and Francisca's not there, but envy is there. Jealousy is there. Impurity is there. Rivalries is there. And notice there's no distinction in the list. None at all. Envy is in the exact same list with the exact same consequence as sexual immorality. This list should just simply humble us this morning and remind us of our position outside the grace of God. Remind us of our spirituality outside the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with this list? Now this list is where sometimes we get in trouble with society. Because people are like, oh, come on now, you're raising certain things above other things. And so I want to take just a moment this morning to help all of us think through this a little bit because we get tripped up on this in our own families and relationships. So do we at times emphasize certain things in this list over others? Absolutely. Absolutely. And guess what? We shouldn't apologize for that. There's a reason why we emphasize certain things in this list 
over others. And here's why. is because things that have been revealed, which the list is, it's revelation of God, are under attack. And so therefore, what happens? You defend, and as you defend, it appears as though this is a greater sin than another sin. When in reality, they're equal. The difference is you're not having to defend the other. No one's writing legislation that it's okay to be jealous. Right? So you don't see any church statements on jealousy. Why? Well, no one disagrees about it. No one's like, hey, yeah, that's a good thing that you're jealous about your, your in-laws there. That's great. Keep it up. Nobody does that. We're all in agreement that jealousy, what? It hurts people. It hurts the ones who are jealous, and it hurts the others who you're jealous of. So you don't become defensive of it. And so, but when other things come under attack, what happens? You're saying, hey, no, 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 this is the revelation of God. God has said this, and we're going to stand on this. And so we should fight tooth and nail, tooth and nail, with everything we got to protect what? God's revelation. When God has revealed something is against himself, when God reveals something that dishonors him, guess what? When it gets spoken about that that's okay, guess what? we got to stand up and say, no, it's not okay. And get ready. It's going to be a fight. And it's not going to go over well. We're going to get misunderstood. There's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming. But that doesn't give us like, eh, they don't like us, so let's take a step. No, no. we got to stand firm and say, this is it. Now hear me. I'm not talking politically here. I'm talking as a church. I'm talking as Christians. There's a big difference. We cannot give ground. Why? Let's look at the next verse. Why? The end of verse 21. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anything in that list? If you continue in a pattern of that, if this is what your life looks like, there's a stern warning here. And there's no way to really soften this. It just very simply says, guess what? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Why is it a big deal? It's not a big deal so we can be right. It's a big deal because there's eternity at stake. There's souls at stake. If someone comes to me and says, yeah, Rich, continue down that path of envy. Guess what's at stake? My soul is at stake. Because God's word is saying, if, if you're living in a path of envy, and that's what's being reflected, guess what? That's a reflection that you're not in the kingdom of God. That should concern us greatly. That's a matter of heaven and hell. It's vital, not so we're right. It's vital for the health of eternal well-being of our souls. And so we're called to stand firm in what God has revealed. We have to stand up and speak and say, God has revealed this. Now, if you look at a variety of different places in Scripture, you'll notice that no list is exactly the same. So no list is completely comprehensive. But we do have to look at this and say, God has revealed this. And we know that God has revealed this. We have to stand on this and other things that God has revealed. And this isn't comfortable. But 
This is reality of, of what God has revealed to us in his word. He said, hey, be aware. Watch your life for this. When this is reflected, it's a sign that what? You're not walking in the spirit. So what's going to happen? When you become a Christian, is all of a sudden fits of anger and envy just leave? The sexual immorality just leave? Absolutely not. It doesn't leave because guess what? We're still in the flesh, in the body, but also we're still in the flesh here in the world. And so there's going to continue to be a battle. But there's a big difference between intentionally driving into the ditch on the interstate and all of a sudden kind of going to grab something and swerving a little bit, and all of a sudden you hear what? The road things that are cut on the side. Big difference. God was saying, hey, as a Christian, there's going to be this battle. There's going to be times when you fall. That's why it says in 1 John chapter 1 that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. Because God knows that we're still in this battle, and there's going to be times where we fall. But he's being really clear here. There's a big difference between falling and intentionally going down that route. So if you look in the mirror today, what's revealed? What's revealed? Paul sets up two different lists here. He says, hey, here's the flesh. But he says here, hey, 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 this is what should be revealed. This is, this is, this is awareness that what? The Spirit of God is active in your life. And so this morning, if you're like, I don't know if the Spirit of God's ever been active in my life. And I've heard this from people who have been Christians for 30, 40 years. Because people are looking for all this special stuff with the Spirit. Like special feelings in their body and, and tongues of fire coming down. Do you want to know where the evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit is at? It's in your character. It's in your relationship with others. Don't take my word for it. Look right here where God's Word says. The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the outworking, that which the Spirit produces is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You want to know if the Spirit's alive in your life? If you're walking in the Spirit, ask people around you. They know if you have self-control. They know if you have kindness. Examine your own heart and your own mind in your life. And say, is the Spirit at work in my life. Spirituality in the Bible is not looking inside ourselves to fix something. Spirituality in the Bible is not setting up rules to avoid certain things. Spirituality is depending on someone outside of ourselves coming under their influence so that we can be transformed. Now, this is weird. You, can, you should be agreeing with that. This is weird. We're talking about, whoa, kind of crazy here. A spirit pastor? You're asking me to follow a spirit? Yeah. Because that's what God has given to us, is the presence of himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so it's weird. It's different. Most of us are hands off when in reality, this is where life is found. And so what should we do? How do I walk in the Holy Spirit? This morning I just want to give you four quick things of how do you walk in the Holy Spirit? I want to get painfully practical for a moment. First is this, if you want to walk in the Holy Spirit, and this might sound simple, is acknowledge. Have you acknowledged the presence and the promises and the necessity and the availability of the Holy Spirit? Have you said, God, thank you for your Spirit. I acknowledge that I'm dependent upon your Spirit. I want your Holy Spirit present with me. 
Again, we're talking weird stuff here. This is not just everyday spirituality. Have you acknowledged the Holy Spirit? That's step number one is just acknowledging acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Number two, this is the big one. Number two, put yourself in a position for the Spirit to work. Put yourself in a position for the Spirit to work. Now, notice here, there's this weird little dilemma that is called fruit, what? Of the Spirit. It's not called fruit of rich. It's not called fruit of yourself. It's fruit of the Spirit, which means what? It's the Spirit doing the work. So then it's do we have, are we responsible for anything? Yeah. Yeah, this is not passive at all because notice what we started with in Galatians 5.16. Walk by the Spirit. It's a command to us. And it finishes with a command. Come under the power of the Spirit. There's personal responsibility here. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to work at all for jealousy and greed? Have you ever woke up in the morning and said, today I'm really going to work on being envious more? I haven't seen any how-to articles. I haven't seen a single how-to article. How to be sexually impure. How to work at creating more lust in your life. It doesn't take work. It just happens. Have you noticed in your lawn right now? Maybe it's just my lawn because I'm just like, who cares? But, like, there's green stuff in our lawn. We haven't had any rain. What's all that green stuff? I got weed of the week all over my lawn. I'm like, how is this possible? There's no rain. (laughs) Weeds don't require any rain or work. They what? They just come. You don't do anything and what? They grow beautifully. It's just like that in the flesh in our life. You do nothing. You don't have to work at all and it's going to come because it's all around us and everything around us is encouraging it. Now, hear me very carefully this morning. I'm not setting up rules and I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But we have to reflect on this for just a minute. We wonder why the weeds grow so easily. Well, we have to ask ourselves, what does our society glorify? So just walk out of the grocery store. Next time you're at the grocery store, look at every magazine right to your left. The headlines all what? Match up with the list that we talked about. Every article basically in that magazine is built off of what? Something in that list. Now, I'm not making a rule, never watch TV or read any magazines. But what I am saying is this. If we expect that we can glorify all this stuff and not have it affect us at all, that's absurd. That you think you can drink all the soda you want and not have it affect your teeth or your body at all, you're crazy. I got some land I want to sell you north of the Sioux Falls a ways. Right? And so we're glorifying stuff all of the time that what? Just feeds into that weed constantly. So we don't need to do any work in that department. Where we need to do something is put ourselves in position for the Spirit to do His work. So what do we need to do? Well, God must have been on to something when He revealed in the Ten Commandments and then revealed throughout His law and other places this lifestyle. This lifestyle of work six days, take a day off. Again, I'm not trying to set up a rule or anything, but we could at least look at this as maybe God's design for creation. Do we give the Spirit space to even work? How about in our daily lives? You're just so busy going from place X to place Y. 
Have you given the Spirit any place to work where you just take a moment and say, I'm going to reflect upon the character of God as revealed in the Word and just spend a few moments in prayer. And then allow that Spirit to begin to shape your, your thinking, your feeling, your acting. And you're like, oh, I knew this was coming, Pastor. Read your Bible more, pray more. Okay, I've said this a million times. Reading our Bibles and praying is not an end in and of themselves. They're spiritual disciplines through which God works. And so reading your Bibles, you're putting yourself in a position for God to do work in your life. Have you put the sails up at all? Have you put the sails up and allowed the Spirit to do His work? We need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, but secondly, we need to put ourselves in position for the Spirit to do His work because what? The weeds are coming automatically. And so it takes some intentionality to allow the Spirit to do His work. Third thing we need to do if you're going to walk by the Spirit is you need to act on promptings. Act on promptings. Now, this is where it gets a little bit weird and crazy. Promptings, I'm not talking about prophecy or healing, okay? We're going to get into that next week, the supernatural part of the Holy Spirit doing weird stuff. What I'm talking about promptings is this, is that when the Holy Spirit prompts you, or there's something that prompts you what? Not to enact revenge. You need to act on that. Or you're in the middle of a conversation at work and the conversation is starting to turn about gossip and you've got this prompting that's like, okay, I know this is not beneficial. You need to follow that prompting to leave. You don't need to preach a sermon on the spot. They're not going to hear anyhow. You need, you need to step out of that conversation. Because the more you don't follow those promptings, guess what happens? You squelch the spirit and you lose all sensitivity to continue activity of the Spirit in your life. So the Spirit prompts you to give a word of kindness to your in-law as you're leaving. Give that word of kindness! We've got to follow the promptings. So that, that's step three. Follow the promptings. You might say, well, how do I know if it's the Spirit prompting me? Well, thank you for asking. That leads to step four. We have to know the character of God. We have to know the character of God. If you want to walk by the Spirit, you have to know the character of God so you know what? When it's the Spirit of God leading you. If it's the Spirit's influence or the world's influence. And guess what? We've been given a great gift. I'm going right back to it. The Bible. God has revealed himself in human language so that we can understand the character of God. There's a lot of debate in the church about the law of God, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, the commandments of Jesus Christ, and what role do they play in the Christian's life? What, what's their purpose? And, and we can get into that argument. But I bring it back to this. The law of God has a major benefit to us in that it reveals the heart of God. The law of God flows from the character of God. And so studying God's law the teachings of Jesus Christ, even in the Old Testament studying that, it gives us what? It gives us insight into the heart of God, which then can allow us to understand when it's the Spirit working in our lives versus the flesh or the world at work in our lives. Do you know the character of God? Not, oh yeah, God's loving and kind. There, there's a whole other level and depth to it. Because most of us know at an academic level the character of God. But at a personal level, do you know the character of God 
when people around you are talking about one pattern that makes a lot of sense to them, but there's something stern in your heart where you know, like, this doesn't match up with God's pattern of how he would think about this. That's a different, it's a different place of being. And we've got to know God's character, be saturated in it so much that what? We can understand when it's the spirit or the flesh at work in our life. Pursuing a vibrant spiritual life begins by acknowledging the presence, the necessity, and the availability of the Holy Spirit. Pursuing a vibrant spiritual life begins by putting ourselves in position for the Spirit to work. Pursuing a vibrant spiritual life begins and continues by acting on the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Pursuing a vibrant spiritual life begins and continues by knowing the character of God. And so this morning, do you have a vibrant spiritual life? Do you have a vibrant spiritual life? And when you think of spirituality, there's maybe two places you're in this morning. We'll finish with this. Two places that you might be in regards to spirituality this morning. The first is apathy. You might just simply not care that much. Maybe you care, like, you care about spirituality like you do golf. When you look at golf, you're like, man, they got all these weird rules. You can only do this and that. They got these colors next to the tall grass. What does that mean? They got this stuff of when you can play, when the next place person can play. And then they got these things about how quiet you have to be on the course. You're like, ah, I just don't care at all. You get pure apathy when people at work start talking about, ah, oh, it was great, it was amazing yesterday, the shot you hit, and you're just like, oh, I don't care. Some of us are in that position spiritually. We've just got apathy. We don't care when in reality, though, this is happening. Our apathy is not understanding that spirituality affects our decision-making, our character, and our relationships. And so if we've got challenge with our character, we've got challenge with our decision-making, we've got challenge with our relationships, it might be the very fact that we're being apathetic spiritually. So you might be in a place of apathy this morning. Well, maybe you can renew that today by saying, you know what? This is a new understanding. I'm no longer going to go back and say, it's all me. I've got to fix this. I'm going to go back and say, wow, I've got to look outside myself to the Holy Spirit for new life. The second place, though, that a lot of us might be in is not apathy. We might be in the place of performance when it comes to our spirituality. We're so focused right now on looking spiritual. We're so focused on making sure we do the right church stuff that looks spiritual. And that performance gives us a little extra confidence. That performance gives us a sense of well-being. When in reality... That performance, you know in your own heart, in your own soul, has still left a longing for peace, joy, and love that you haven't experienced yet. So how do you know if you're in the performance category? Let me just give you two quick tests for you. The first is this. Are you quick to buy the next great thing? And why do I say that? Because a lot of times we buy the next great thing because we think what? <laughs> this is going to do it. This is really going to give us the, the kind of the life we thought. Now we're going to have that motorhome. We can travel. And then you sell the motorhome and, and you buy the motorcycle. Because the motorhome didn't really do it. But that motorcycle is, is really going to be what we're going to enjoy. So you buy the next great thing. It doesn't have to be at that level. The next great thing is, you know, I'm going to move from the Xbox over to the Wii. 
the next great thing. Does that click into your mind? If that clicks into your mind, you might have a struggle with performance when it comes to spirituality because true spirituality brings contentment. A second test for you that you might be in the performance is this. No one knows the true stress or joy in your life. Does somebody else know what's the causing the true stress in your life or brings you true joy? If no one else knows that, you might be in the performance business because true spirituality is going to bring authentic relationships where people are going to walk alongside of us. This morning, God's calling us not to apathy. He's saying, walk! God's calling us not to performance. He's saying, fight the flesh and walk in the Spirit. God's calling us to a vibrant spirituality. And guess what? It's not going to be the cool thing. And so today, you're not buying a car, but it's something way more important, eternally more important. You're dealing with your spiritual well-being. Are you going to go for the cool in the end? Are you going to go for the weird, revealed picture that God has given to us in his word? And so today, let us go for the weird. Because in the weird, true life is found. In spirituality outside of ourselves, where we say, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you. Where we put ourselves in a position for the Spirit to work, and we act on promptings of the Holy Spirit, and we know the character of God. Thanks be to God that he's in the giving business the giving business of giving us his Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious God, we acknowledge today that we cannot thrive on our own. We acknowledge today the necessity and the availability of the Holy Spirit. And so we ask now, as you promised us in Luke chapter 11 through Jesus, that if we ask, you will give. We ask that the Holy Spirit would reside among us, work in us and through us. And we ask today that you'd give us the discipline to create places and opportunities for the Holy Spirit to shape and form us. God, thank you for your patience and promises to us. In Jesus' name, amen.